started a series entitled The Good Life, and we're going to continue that this week. Last week, if you were here, uh, we talked about this idea of the good life. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, in John 10.10, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And how many of you could use the more abundant life in your life? And that's what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life more abundantly. And so I kind of refer to that as the good life. And uh, last week we talked about, and in that very passage which Jesus said that, he called himself right after that. He said, I'm the good shepherd. In fact, that whole passage is about the fact that he's the shepherd and we are the sheep. And the thief, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to lead you into a life, to watch over you, protect you, to provide for you as a good shepherd would do. And uh, we talked about last week, if we're going to live in the good life, we've got to follow the good shepherd. That's, that's really key and very important. But one of the things that Jesus said in that passage, in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice. And he said, I know them, and they follow me. And I was thinking about that, little phrase, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And I can't think of any way, I mean, there's a number of ways we can hear the voice of God, but probably the most significant way that we hear the voice of God is in the Word of God. And so today I want to talk about the good book. Last week we talked about the Good Shepherd. Today I want to talk about the good book. And this is not just a good book. This is the good book. I'm talking about the Bible today, the Word of God. And uh, because if we want to live in the abundant life that Jesus has for us, we have to start at the revelation of all that God has for us and what He has said to us. And that brings us to the Word of God to the Bible. Everybody say Bible. So we're going to be talking about your Bible. I hope you have one, and if you don't, I I bet you can get one on your phone. You could probably even download it right now if you want to, if you haven't done that yet. But we're going to be talking about the Bible. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want to read verses 14 through 17, and this will just kind of get us going. I got a little bit of ground to cover today, so... So we're going to have to kind of fly a little bit here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want to start at verse 14. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, who was a pastor of a church. And he says to him, You must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, verse 16, all Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul writes and he says, if we want to live the good life, we need to get into the good book and make this a living, vital part of our lives. 
And uh, so this is what I want to talk about today. Now, if you ask most Christians, in fact, I would say if you ask any genuine Christian, any true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ about the Bible, they will tell you that they believe in the Bible. In fact, they will go so far, many, many believers in the Bible and the Word of God will even talk about one of the great tragedies that happened in our nation was not only when uh, there was a law passed that you couldn't, because of the separation of church and state, that there shouldn't be prayer in school. That was passed in 1963. In 1980, there was a big court case that went out, and they basically banned the idea of having the Ten Commandments hanging on the walls in our schools. Now, whatever you think about that from a political standpoint is irrelevant at the point. I'm just trying to make that a lot of Christians would say that was a great tragedy the day that that happened. We push, we push God out of our schools. But if you do a little bit dig, a deeper digging into the Christian lifestyle, and you ask many of those same people, and you, you, know, you do a little test on them, you will discover that only about a third of people that profess to be Christians actually read the Bible on a daily basis. That the majority of believers maybe get around to it a couple times a week, Maybe here and there in a month, maybe a couple times a year, all the way to zero times a year. And these would be people who would profess to be Christian. And so we know in Christianity that we, we, uh, we believe in the Bible. I would say a lot of you, if I sit down and talk to each one of us in the room, we say, oh yeah, I believe in the Bible. I believe it, you know, I think it's a good book or the good book, whatever you want to say, you know. I believe in the Bible and we esteem it highly but a vast majority of us rarely read it. Now, I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip here today. That's not my purpose, okay? But if we want to live the good life, we got to get into the good book. And this is what I want to talk about today. And uh, I, I found this quote, or I came across this quote. I've heard it before, and I found it the other day when I was studying for this. The quote says, a Bible which is falling apart usually belongs to someone who's not. And if you don't have that written down in your book, you need to write that down in your book. Now, I want to ask you a question with that up there. Are you falling apart? Like, are you falling apart emotionally? Is your marriage falling apart? Do you feel like your life is falling apart? Do you feel like any part of you just isn't where it needs to be or could be in your life? Well, the next question to that What's your, what's your Bible look like? What, is that, what, what place does that hold in your life? How important, how significant, how used is that? How well-worn is that? Is it dusty? Is it got dust all over it? Or is it, a, is it something that's just constantly in motion in your life? You're constantly looking to it and opening it up and referring to it. Because, listen, if the Bible is worth believing, it's worth reading. If I'm going to say I believe it is the Word of God, then I need to deal with it as the Word of God. And so here today, I want to just take a few moments, and hopefully my my purpose is to just encourage us to go deeper in God's Word. And to do that, I want to kind of lay a, a basic foundation of God's Word, the Bible, 
And I want to talk about what the Bible is, first of all. And if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to hold it in your hand or kind of just kind of look at it every once in a while because there are three things that I want to say that the Bible is. And trust me, these are not the only three that I have. Just trust me. So the Bible is, first of all, divinely inspired. What you hold in your hand is the written Word of God. It, it does, it's, it's not a book that contains some words from God. The Bible as we see it and as we know it here today is all of it, all of it is the written revelation of God. Paul said in chapter 3, verse 16, he said, All Scripture was given by inspiration of God. And that word inspiration in the Greek language means literally God breathed. And so what, what that verse tells us and what that little phrase says to us is that holy men, as they were writing the scriptures and as they were writing their books and as they were writing their letters, in their mind, in their mind, they weren't writing the Bible, but they were writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. They were writing something that God wanted them to say, and they didn't realize this, that in their writing, they inhaled the Spirit of God and exhaled the Word of God in their writings. They didn't realize that was going on, but that is exactly what was going on. So that, the, so that Paul came along and said, all of the Scripture that we see All of it that we know, the the very thing that Paul said to Timothy, don't ever forsake what you have learned. Don't turn away. Don't forget. Don't put it aside. Don't let dust gather on it. This This is able to save your souls, make you wise unto salvation. Don't forget that this was God given word. It is the written revelation of God Himself. Amen. I gotta calm down now. So think of it. Think of it. These, the Bible is a compilation of 66 different books written on three separate continents in three different language, languages over a period of 1,500 years by more than 40 different authors. And it still has one message that strings through the whole thing. I'm telling you, what we have before us is a miracle. This is a miracle. It is the Word of God. And every piece of it, every part of it, we believe in our denomination in the plenary uh, inspiration, we believe that every word, Jesus said not one jot, not one tittle, not one small stroke of the Scriptures will ever pass away. We believe that every word was breathed and inspired of the Holy Spirit of God. The second thing I want us to know about the Bible is that the Bible is totally sufficient. By that I mean totally sufficient for all matters concerning my life, my faith, my walk, my need. The Bible is sufficient for me. There's no lacking of understanding. There's nothing that I have to go without in my life because I have the written word of God. I have the full revelation of God. And whatever answers I'm looking for, whatever truth I need to be set free in, whatever I need for my life, the word of God is sufficient to meet that. Amen.
This is what Paul was saying when he said all Scripture. Look at it again if you've got your Bibles there. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Everybody say profitable. You know what profitable means? What profitable means is if you make an investment, if you make the right investment, you'll get a great return. How many of you like to do that financially? Come on, you, you like to make a great investment. You, and, and he says, if you will invest your life in the Word of God, you will get a great return in your life. And he said, it's profitable for doctrine, which is teaching. It's profitable for reproof. Because reproof is that idea that sometimes I don't understand how life works. But when I look into the Word of God and when I hear from the Word of God and listen to the Word of God, it begins to show me, it causes me to understand which ways I'm not walking in His way. And it begins to reprove me. It does not, doesn't condemn me. It doesn't shame me. But it draws me into the path of life. Amen. He said the Word of God is profitable for correction. And that word correction literally means to take a twisted thing and make it straight. How I many you know sometimes we are twisted? Come on, can I get an amen out there? Sometimes we have a twisted way of thinking about things. Sometimes we're twisted in the way we relate to people and treat our wives and talk and the way we communicate and talk about ourselves as well as other people. We get twisted, but the Word of God has corrective power in it. Amen. It'll straighten us out quick. Praise God. They can. He said it is also profitable for instruction. And this idea of instruction is instructing us how to live disciplined lives how to walk in a certain way whenever we hear hear the word discipline automatically sometimes we think of oh you know that's god taking me to the woodshed so to speak and that that's not listen discipline is a daily exercise as a parent not not in the capital punishment kind of way that we often think about it discipline is training our children what is right and what is wrong and the way to go and the way not to go. And you're setting these parameters in their life and that's discipline. And that's what God's word is given to us for, to instruct us, to discipline our lives, to build parameters around our lives so that I don't have to learn the hard way. Come on. Are you with me out there? You don't have to learn the hard way. I mean, I tend to learn the hard way, but I don't have to. We None of us do. Amen. Here's another thing about the Bible. The Bible is eternally settled. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. I can't wait for this political season to pass away. Can I get a witness out there? <laughs> I'm, I'm already over 2020. I just want to get into 2021. I'm ready for this. But I gotta, I'm here to tell you, whatever happens, it will all pass away. Generations come and go. Cultures come and go. Governments come and go. Ideologies and philosophies come and go. But God's word remains forever and forever. Hallelujah. Jesus said, it all is going to go away, but not my word. David said in Psalms 119, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And here's the point. If God's word is eternally settled, 
shouldn't I give myself to it daily? I mean, if it's forever, shouldn't it be a part of my present day? Amen. So those are just foundational thoughts about the Word of God. It's, it's, it doesn't contain some words of God. It is the Word of God. It's divinely inspired, totally sufficient for whatever you need, and eternally settled. Praise God. Amen. So, but now I want to talk about the power of the Word. I want to talk, and this is where I'm going to spend most of my time here today. I want to talk about how powerful the Word of God is in your life. You know, when you and I, if we will get into the Word, the Word will get into us. But a lot of times, this book seems so big and so thick. You know, I don't read books normally that thick. Like, I don't personally. Some of you do. You fly through these in a matter of a couple of days. But this book I have read. This book I will read. But a lot of, uh, but sometimes this book is, it feels like it's complicated. It seems sometimes irrelevant to my, uh, you know, to my situation. and, And it's confusing for a lot of people. But I got to tell you something. If you don't go there, you'll never get there. If you won't commit yourself to it, how are you ever going to let that? How is it ever going to get into you if you won't take the time to get into it? And so, but when we do get into the Word, and the Word does get into us, it has a powerful effect upon our lives. And I want to talk about some powerful effects of the Word of God, giving you a sense of illustration, illustrations of what we see in the Bible about the Word of God. First of all, the Bible has the power to grow me up. Now, sometimes we just need to grow up. Sometimes we are immature. Sometimes we don't handle relationships right. And sometimes we are childish. And sometimes we are an emotional mess. And sometimes we just need to grow up. We just need to grow up. And one of the ways that we grow up is in the Word of God. And the way that we do that, I'm going to go ahead and just show you the first two illustrations that I have here that are in the Bible about the Word of God. I have a bottle of baby milk and I have a plate of solid food. And here's what Peter said about the Word of God. Peter said about the Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Peter said if you want to grow up spiritually, if you want to get to a new level in your life, you and I have got to really develop a desire for the Word of God. And you guys know as well as I do that every newborn baby wants their milk. I mean, eventually, they want their milk. Sometimes they cry and they whine and they don't know why they're crying and whining, but sometimes when you shove the bottle in their face, boy, doesn't that help? It takes, soothes, soothes the atmosphere. But Peter said, if I'm going to grow, we got to crave it. we got to desire the Word. Where's your desire for the word? Oh, I don't. I try, but it's just not there. I, I got you know. I got so many. I got so many things going on. I got to get up. I got to get my kid off to school. I got to go to work. I got to do this and iron, iron. Put it on another iron, another iron, another iron until till it's there's. We don't have desire in our heart for it because we don't have time for it. 
But I'm never going to build desire for something if I don't have a taste for it in my heart. And so I need to get into the Word. I need to be like a newborn baby. And I need to crave the milk of the Word that I may grow thereby. But at some point also, it isn't just about being bottle-fed because this is fun. This is what people do for you. They feed you. They bless you. They make it warm for you. They make it available to you. You just show up to church, feed me, give me something great, and then I'll go home and try to live the rest of the week and make it to the end till next Sunday. But at some point, you can't live the rest of your life on milk. This is good when you're four months old. This is not good when you're 40. That's just weird. (laughs) At some point, you got to get some solid food. And here's what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 5, verse 12. He said, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now everybody who comes to faith in Jesus starts out as a baby Christian. It is wonderful. It is a blessing. Everybody loves them. We just coo and awe over them. They're so fun. They're so exciting. But you can't stay that way. Right? Come on, can I get an amen out there? He said they're unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food solid food like this kind of stuff like the wilty lettuce up here and the bread with butter i had to put butter on it because why why else would you eat it (laughs) then this this piece of chicken this very lean meal you don't always like the food you have to eat but you have to eat it and you know what? You can live, you'll be a, you can suck on a bottle till you go to heaven, and you'll go to heaven. But that doesn't mean you're, you've grown up. And at some point, at some point, we, me, I, you, we got to go deeper. There are things that are right here But until we go after it, we won't find it. And we got to stop excusing ourselves for why we're not at the next level, why we haven't gone deeper, why we're still struggling with the same thing. Now 10, 15 years into our Christianity, we're still going around this same tree over and over. It could be, not always is the case, but it could be I'm still on the bottle when I need to be eating solid food. I need to be going deeper. I can't just get it on a Sunday morning listening to a 30, 40, or an hour message. Uh, I can't just get it there. I've got I've to get into some places where people can, we can sit together and they can train me and they can, they can speak into my life and they can deal with me in certain areas with according to the Word of God. I've got to go deeper. I mean, it's great to be on the bottle when you're a baby, but listen... Many of us in this room are no longer infants in Jesus. And it's time to go there. Amen. It's time to eat your broccoli. Yeah. Here's another thing we see in the Word of God. The Word of God has the power to fix my heart. And what I have here is a sword. And the reason why I have this sword, because here's what 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, it says, for the word of God is, a living, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And this is surgical terminology when the Hebrew writer is saying that the word of God is a sword and it gets down into the deepest resources of yourself it is a discerner of the heart every time you and i will make a commitment and we commit ourselves to god's word it's like we're breaking out the sword or the lord the spirit of god is breaking out the sword and as i read it 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 has a way of of um seeing what's on the inside of me sometimes i don't understand what's going on in my own heart Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know what I, why I'm struggling like this. But when you give yourself to the Word of God, it has the power to be like a sword where God will take the scalpel of His sword and He will go into those deep places that not even anybody else can really figure out. But God does. God knows. Listen, God knows you better than you know yourself. But you've got to give Him room to work on you. Amen. Back in 2010, I had a heart attack, and my front main artery was 100% blocked. One off of that was 75% blocked. And so they went in. They didn't have to open my chest up. They went in a special place, microscopically, brought a stent up into my main artery. And they showed me later that there was a void there. And then when they had placed the stent, it all of a sudden, the screen brightened up with blood flow. And that's what God does for us through his word. He microscopically goes in and he discerns between what's the flesh and what's the spirit. What's of me and what's not of me. And he gets to the motivations of the heart. And he gets to the brokenness of the heart. And he can bring new life where there was once death. Hallelujah. But you can't get that surgery if you don't open your Bible. Amen. Now. We're not done with the sword. Here's another thing the, the word of God has power for to give me, to make me victorious. Paul said in Ephesians six seventeen that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And you guys know if you've been around long enough, you know that that's the passage of spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against principalities and powers. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, Boy, man, i got to watch myself. No, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and unseen powers in heavenly places. The devil's always out to get you, one way or the other. He's always forming a weapon to get you with. Now, I don't say that to cause us to live in fear, but the Lord wants us to be prepared to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And the way I get armed is, a, is I get into God's Word, and God's Word, the Bible, actually, the word is rhema here in this, in this uh, translation in Ephesians 6, which doesn't mean it's not the Bible. It is the Bible, but it's the Spirit of God making the truth of God's Word alive, and He gives you a specific sword for a specific battle that you're facing in your life, whatever it is. And that 
sword of the Spirit is something that God gives you. It may come in a sermon like this, or it may come in your own devotional time, but it will come through the Word of God. And what it is, is the Holy Spirit has given you a weapon, and this is how you can take out the enemy that's coming against you in a certain way. This is what Jesus did when he was tempted of Satan in the wilderness those 40 days and 40 nights. And when Satan came against him and tempted him, what did Jesus do? He quoted Scripture. Well, if you quote Scripture, you're in Scripture. Are we okay out there? Jesus didn't just come off of that with the fly or the, the Father put that in his heart and he didn't even know. No, he knew the Scripture. Therefore, he knew how to handle the devil when he came. Amen. Take out your sword every day. And let the Spirit of God speak a new word, a fresh word in you for victory. Amen? All right, so we're moving right along. Are we okay? Here's another thing. The power, the power of the Word, the Word has the power to strengthen my identity. And what I have for this one is what James talks about when he said that the Word is like a mirror. See if I can blind somebody out there. No. Um, James 1, 23 and 24 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, I'm sorry, i got to put this down. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing, him, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And so James says, looking into the Bible, looking into the Word of God, it's like every day you're looking in a mirror. And we all understand the concept here. We look in the mirror for a number of reasons. Not the least of which to make sure there's something that's not there that shouldn't be there. To make sure we look fine for everybody else. But here's what the Word of God is. Every time I look into the Word of God, James says it's like a mirror. Don't forget what you look like. And and when I look into the Word of God, there, there's a couple of things that happen. On the one hand, it will show, it will reveal, if I'm paying attention, where there's something on me that shouldn't be on me, and I want to get that off, and that's good. God's Word doesn't condemn us, but God's Word will challenge us. And as we're reading the Word of God, let's say, you know, where Jesus said, love your neighbor, and you're reading along, and you're like, you think you love your neighbor, but one day you're reading that, it says, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And all of a sudden, this thought rushes through your mind how you can't stand the neighbor across the street. You know what, the, you know what that was? That was the mirror showing you a flaw. That's all that was. And, you, and now, now, now you got to do something with it. You can walk out of the house with that flaw on your face, so to speak, and somebody would be coming over there trying to pick it off or won't say anything because, you know, it's weird to say something. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, no, I didn't know that about you, but I, I agree. <laughs> but also, when I look into it, it's not only a mirror of what inconsistencies might be there that I need to deal with. That's why it was revealed. That's why I do it. That's why I look there. But it also 
shows me who I really am. And this is so important. One of the reasons why so many of us struggle with our identity, we have identity crisis and identity issues, and we come and we sing the songs, and we sing, you know, we listen to the sermons, and we go, but we berate ourselves, and we belittle ourselves, and we think little of ourselves, and we don't, we don't think that we amount to much, and we, you know, we, we just, we don't believe in what God is doing in our lives. We have identity issues. One of the reasons is because we don't know what God says about us. We need, to, we need to know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I can cry out the Father. Don't just go through and check off your to-do list of having read the Bible and then walk out and live in shame and condemnation. You're forgetting what you look like. But if we go days without God's Word, if we spend weeks without God's Word, if, we, if it doesn't hold a very important place in our life, I'm just going to keep going around this same dysfunctional way of thinking, condemnation and shame and disgrace. Yeah, the word, it shows me my flaws, but it also shows me who I really am in Jesus. And that my flaws are not the, are not the last word. Amen. Also, the word of God, can, it will strengthen my character. It has the power to shape my character. And I don't have a thing on the stage here to show you, but I have a picture I want to show you with a verse of Scripture. It's found in Jeremiah 23, 29. And here's what it says about the Word. God said, Is not my Word like a fire? Everybody say fire. Is not my Word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Fire, we know, purifies but it also can melt. It can take hard, hardened rock and ore and it can melt it down. And in a blacksmith's shop, they can take that iron and with a hammer, they can begin to shape an object that otherwise would not have been shapeable and formable. And this was the picture the Lord gave me when I was looking at this, this uh, verse of Scripture because I understand the word is like a fire. And I thought, wow, it'd be great to start a fire in the sanctuary today. That would have been cool. Like, you know, and have a hammer up here and beat a rock and have rock shatter everywhere. I thought, no, safer to show you a picture. But this image, this image that God is working on me. Can I tell you that God is more, uh, this isn't the right word, but let me just go ahead and say it. He's more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. And you're like, oh, I want God to comfort me. I want God to say nice, sweet nothings in my ear. And he, and he does. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. But he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And so he will set a fire to your soul. But it's not a, it's not a hell fire to condemn you. But it's a testing fire and a purifying fire and a softening fire. And he takes his word, which is like a hammer, not to kill you, not to beat you over the head, but to shape you and to form your life. I don't know if you know this, but you need a lot of work. Did you know that? You heard it here first. And he's still working on us. Amen. And so that we need that fire and we need that hammer. We need, we need to go into the blacksmith's shop, I guess, if you will. 
and let him do a work on us. Here's another thing the word has power to do. It has power to make me productive. And here I have a bag of seed. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, he said that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And I don't know that much about seeds, but here's what little I know from back in the day, a long time ago. A seed, this seed will set here for what, however long and be nothing. But if you take this seed and you drop it in the ground, and it, what Jesus calls dies, you put it in the ground, there's something miraculous about the soil and the seed and the moisture and the energy of the sun. Something happens. We don't, you don't see it initially, but there's something, a miracle takes place when that seed drops into the ground. And eventually, it doesn't just grow down in root system, it grows up and we see the growth of it, we see the green of it, but what it does eventually is it produces fruit to do it over and over and over and over again. And Jesus was saying, my word is like seeds, it's like a bag of seeds. Every, you, you, do you realize that there are so many promises, so, so much seed of God's word just lying here? But is it lying dormant or has it been planted? Has it been sown? Are we sowing the seed? Because if there's an area in my life that I need to see fruitfulness, then maybe I need to get back to the seed of God's word. I need to sow some seed. Amen. So much promise here. So many promises here. So much potential lies. If only it gets sown. So much potential can happen in me if I get into it. Amen. Are we okay out there? I got three more and then I'm going to let you go home. You're so good. You're, you got, oh, I got to hurry. Um, God's, the, the, the Bible has power not only to make us productive, but to reveal to us God's will for our life. When you don't know what God's will is, you can go to the Word of God. And here's what David said in Psalms 119. He said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. This is the word of God. When you don't know, how many of you know it's a dark world out there? And sometimes we go through dark times, right? How do I get through this? How do I deal with this? What am I supposed to do? Has it ever occurred to us? Two, search out the answers in the Word of God. He said, your word is like a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light for my path. It not only gives me the immediate surrounding. Did you just darken the lights for effect? That is so cool. <laughs> the, the light of God's word gives me clarity right around me, but it also can show me down the way. I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure what decisions to make. But you know, God's word has the answers. It's there. 
Amen. Let me shut this. Whoops. I, could you shut that off for me? So, <clears throat> we got to search the book. Search the Bible. The other day, Isaac and I were back behind there in our, we were trying to fix something together. It was like the blind leading the blind back there in the dark. And Isaac said to me, do you have your light? I'm like, I don't carry a flashlight. He's like, it's on your phone. And I said, no, I don't have my phone. He said, well, I don't have mine either. Like, how's that going to work? Well, Daniel comes walking by. Daniel, you got your light. And he did. Of all people, Daniel had his light. No, I don't mean. That sounded worse than I meant it. I didn't mean it like that. And I thought to myself, two out of three don't have their light. Daniel had his light. He brought it back there. We saw what the problem was. We fixed it. That's just a little illustration that I think paints a big picture for us. That when we can't see, if we shine the light of God's word on it, we can see. We can know. And so, and it even helped me and Isaac, who forgot our light. So God's word has the power to reveal his will. The, another one, God's word has the power to be an anchor in our life to keep us from drifting. And this is really heavy, so I'm not going to hold it indefinitely. But here's what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says. This hope, the Bible says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. And when you read the broader context of that passage, he's talking about the promise that God made to Abraham that through his seed would come the promised one. And how that God could swear by no other, but that he swore by himself. And that God was not a man that he would lie. His word is true. He made his promise. And Abraham believed, not because Abraham was some super saint, but because God said what he said. So he said, if you said it, I'm going to believe it. And the word of God became his anchor at an old age past childbearing, knowing that he and Sarah would have a child. Not because of what they could do physiologically. They could do nothing. But it was the word of God. It was the promise of God. It was his anchor. Well then, the writer of Hebrews takes that same analogy and he says, we have an anchor. The word of God, the promise of God. God cannot lie. What God says is true. This is our anchor. Throw your anchor. And our anchor isn't just out at sea somewhere, but our anchor is behind the veil where Jesus is. Hallelujah. See, an anchor is only as good as the material that it's been cast into. If there's no rocks, if there's not something down there to anchor the anchor, then the winds and the current will cause that thing to shift and to drift, the ship to shift and to drift. But Jesus is a rock, an immovable rock. And we put our faith, 
our trust in his word. Hallelujah, in him. And so that when the storms of life come, and they do come, and when the current of the culture is pushing, because we're in the word of God, we're anchored. You can say what you want to say. You can scream all you want. You can, you know, you can have your philosophy and your ideas, but I'm anchored. My, my, this is my anchor, and this is in Jesus. Amen. And then there's one final thing, and then I'm going to be done, that the Word has the power to do. The Word has the power to cleanse my soul. Hallelujah. Paul said, and that's just a simple pitcher of water. And I could pour it into the bowl, but we don't have time. But here's the idea. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, he's writing to husbands, but he's really talking about the husband, our husband, Jesus. He's the husband. We're the bride of Christ, all of us. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And so what Paul is saying there is, Jesus washes over us, washing away the blemish, washing away the spot, with the water of his word. In John 15, 3, he said to his disciples, you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. And that communication, it's like every day of my life, when I give myself to the word of God, it's like I'm, I'm going to the wash basin every day and just getting that cleansing and that refreshing that I need in my life because even though I am righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ, I get dirty once in a while. Come on. I get some spots here and there. And it's not that I need to get saved all over again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Remember that time when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and, and he came to Peter and Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter, in true Peter form, like, then wash my whole body. No. But, you know, he's like, yeah, go ahead and clean. And, he's, and Jesus said, you don't need a complete bath, but your feet are dirty. Let me wash those feet. And there's some areas in our life where, as I give myself to the Word of God, there's just that washing and that cleansing of the Word of God. And we had that communication together with Him. And so... I'm saying all this to say to every one of us, this is the good book that can lead us and establish us into the good life as we follow the good shepherd. Amen. Can we stand together? Yeah. Can I have the prayer team come on up here if you would, please? The, those who are assigned to pray. We want to give you an opportunity today, if you're here, if there's any way that anyone in this room of, of our prayer team could pray with you about anything in your life, a physical issue, a, you know, relational thing, or just anything, something that we talked about here today or nothing that we talked about. 
they're here to pray with you. They would love to do that. So I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. And then when I'm done, you can leave. But if you'd like prayer, we would love for you to come this way and allow them to pray with you. Would you mind? I just want to pray that God would... um, uh, I've been reading the Bible a lot of years. And I'm like anybody else. I have good days and I have bad days. I do. If I could be honest with you. I have days I'm into it, days I'm not into it. But I think it would be good if we could just... Ask the Lord to just give us a a fresh desire, a fresh desire to go deeper, not to strive to be better, but if I could just give myself in quality, even if it was just five minutes, like Daniel Merrick says, he'll say, if you just commit to five minutes a day I mean you know when you think about it we scroll the Facebook for 30 minutes a day if we could get our face in the book for five it might go well for us amen so if you want to if you can just open your hands like this and let's just I just want to pray that the Lord would pour out a brand new touch on us Lord we love you, we, and we only love you because you first loved us. And Lord, we know that your word is established forever, but we want to we spend time in it today, tomorrow, the next day. We want to know you more. We want to hear you clearer. Lord, I pray for every one of us in this place today that we won't feel guilty or shamed or beat up, but that we would feel drawn to your presence, drawn to your word. Just as Peter said about your words, your words are spirit and they are life. God, we give us a desire, give us a deeper desire, I pray, for more of you and more of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you.